awesome God. I hope you've been working on your praise breaks. If not, don't forget that because it will make a difference in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. It can be any time. During the day, during the night, doesn't matter. Just can be several times, not just one time. Just give him some praise. Give him love. Don't ask him anything. Just love him, thank him, praise him, magnify him, lift him up, acknowledge him. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. So good to see you this evening. Amen. Let us worship the Lord in song tonight.
You know how we can really love Jesus, how I can really love Jesus? Just be obedient. I mean, really, just be obedient to his word. I don't think there is any greater way of showing my love to him than not just so much doing it because it's a task, but doing it because I love him and I want to please him. Amen. Let's sing another song to the Lord tonight.
Amen. Put your hands together this evening. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to say for those that really understand where we're at tonight, that we are in the very presence of a king. And not just a king. The king. There is no greater king than Jesus. And so as we come in here, it's important that we understand, like many of you have demonstrated, that we need to be reverence. One thing on our mind, one thing on our heart, and that is to lift up the King of glory. That's to lift up the King of glory. God created us in His image. He loves people. And I know we do too. And we love to fellowship. But right now, there's only one we fellowship. Right now, there's only one. And I thank you that so many of you understand that. And you're really putting forth that effort. And I appreciate it. And he appreciates it. Because I'm going to tell you, when we see Jesus, there'll be no one standing. Because every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I want to demonstrate my willingness to do that here, as many of you have. Let's continue to worship the Lord tonight. Thank you so very much. Amen. I'm glad that you're here this evening. One day we're going to really understand more than ever that when we walk through those doors, it's not just a room anymore. It's not just sheetrock. It's not just chairs and carpet. It's not just a platform. But we're coming in to the very courts and gates of the Most High God. A God that made us. We didn't make ourselves. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord God of heaven. Let's worship the Lord this evening in song. Behold, Jehovah, seated on the throne, Abba, Father, the well that overflows, the God who was and is and shall be
together if you would. Let's love Jesus tonight. Thank you all for coming. You can return to your seats. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to find a seat. If you're not an usher, I'm going to ask you please to find a seat. Please find a seat. Amen. Everyone find a seat, please. Amen. Thank you. Everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, at any time you want to get up and come to the altar and worship the Lord and repent and call on his name, you're more than welcome to do that. Amen. So thank you so very much. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. God is a great God. He really is. He's a, he's a wonderful God. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord God. If I may, just for a moment, I would like to share a testimony concerning my brother. God gave me the privilege to share with him the truth of the gospel, and he came to Laporte, Texas. He moved there, and I had a 
worked for the fire department there, and I had a side job cutting grass, and I put him to work, and I kept talking to him, and he finally came to church, and you've heard, some of you have heard his testimony, and how he thought we were just out there. And one day I was working shift, and he was there, and he tried to go out. He stood up to go out, and the Lord gripped him, and he ran to the altar, took his cigarettes out and placed them on the altar, threw his hands in the air, and was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd already baptized him several months prior, but that night, his whole life was changed. Still preaching the gospel today. Amen. Because instead of going out, he came in. Instead of being on the outside, he got on the inside. And so what I'm saying, many of you know what I'm talking about because you at one time was on the outside, you got on the inside. No matter what you thought of the first service you attended. But these services are serious. And if it's not for you, believe me, it's for someone else. And so it's important that we continue, like many of you have demonstrated tonight, to take this very serious when we come into the house of God. Amen. You know, without saying it, but I'll say it anyway. Playtime, talking, smacking, cell phone use, all of that stuff. You wouldn't do that. You, you wouldn't do that in various governmental agencies in the United States. Why would we even think of that? When we're entering into the one that sets up governments. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? He sets up governments. He takes governments down. The only reason Putin is where he's at because God has allowed it and put him there for a reason. And anytime God wants him out, he's out. And God won't need to use a nuclear bomb to get him out. And so what am I doing? I'm trying to encourage those that understand, keep it up. Keep it up because souls will be coming in. And I want an atmosphere without any distractions so that when they come in, what they'll see is genuine, genuine people worshiping God. Not better than anybody else. Not without sin. They're not perfect. But they were out and now they're in. They were blind, but now they see. They couldn't hear, but now they hear. They couldn't walk, but now they walk. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad that I take my walk with God serious. And I take the house of God serious. Amen. I take it so serious that if I walk by and see a piece of paper, I'm picking it up and putting it in my pocket. Some of you see me do that. Some of you do that. And so I'm asking you, if your pastor can pick up a piece of paper or a little hairball, 
surely where you're sitting at, you can be sure to police that area and pick it up. This is Wednesday night Bible study, teaching. And we're going to have a great lesson by Brother John in just a moment. Amen. But I thought I would do a little teaching because God wants you all to be saved. God wants you all to be saved. Amen. And it's so important. We've been having some tremendous services. And we're going to press on through this and we're going to get there. And every one of us are going to understand. And we're going to help our visitors understand. And we're going to pray with our visitors and encourage our visitors. And we're going to respond like you have so that they will be free to respond. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord God of heaven. I've really enjoyed the services, all of them. But lately, they've been really rich. Amen. How about you? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Let me try to make some announcements if I could. We have David Rubin coming this Sunday night at 6 o'clock. We also have our last fundraising meal for our academy Sunday morning, right after the morning service. It's going to be barbecue chicken, potato salad, baked beans, dessert. Wow, $10. You can get it to go, eat it here, however you feel led. Amen. We appreciate all your support. Also, we've got our church camp coming up. Before you know it, we're going to be meeting we're going to be meeting the first Sunday in April after the morning service. We're going to meet, again, go over the adults that are going to be involved and what you're willing to do and so forth. Many of us will have to wear more than one hat. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a wonderful time of fellowship. I'm going to try sometime in the month of April to get our guidelines out, put them in the foyer so everybody will know and understand our conduct and our dress. Conduct and our dress, okay? Praise the Lord. Now, for those that are involved in our academy really quickly, uh, we have our convention coming up, and so that will be April the 4th. Be in prayer for us that our students can go and have a great time and just, you know, there's other apostolic churches that go as well. In fact, we have requested to dorm with another apostolic church, and so he didn't think that would be a problem. So I'm happy about that. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And so we've got a lot of things, a lot of things happening. Easter, I believe, is the 17th of April. So let's keep that in mind as well. And so, again, there's lots happening. Any other announcements? Any other announcements? T-shirts. What's that? Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Weeds, if you're able, this Saturday, 9 o'clock. They've already started. Our young people in the academies already started pulling weeds. I like that. I like that. And so I saw Jaden out there before church pulling some weeds. Pulling some weeds. Thank you, Jaden. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's really, really, really good. Any other announcements? Amen. So good to see you. Praise the Lord. All right. Elder Phillips is going to come.
Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? Amen. Our God is worthy of all praise and adoration. Amen. Our ensemble may be seated. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. I give honor to my one God. I give honor to the only God. Amen. And I give honor to my pastor. Amen. So glad to have everybody here at our church. Good to see my church family. Appreciate our visitors. Uh, pastors asked me to uh, preach some of our foundational concepts and teach these foundational concepts of being apostolic. It's important to go back to the foundation because if you don't use it, you lose it. Amen. And it, it's good to go back to the precepts of the Word of God and to go back to the foundations because we've got to understand the identity of God. Amen. Search the scriptures for they testify of him. And remember, we've talked about it in Judaism, and, and honestly, I, I think it's a true concept. Studying the word of God is a type of worship because you're opening your heart to what the word of God has to say. Amen. And so he gave me a, a, a two options, and I wanted to bring us to the oneness of God. That's what brings us, and it's our identity, and it's what makes us stand out from those other denominations. Amen. And tonight, I am going to inundate you with Scripture. You are going to be saturated with Scripture, because pastors talked about it, and it's been mentioned, but in hermeneutics, which is the interpretation of literature, but specifically biblical literature, before you have any kind of theological concept or point or claim, you've got to have multiple scriptures to prove that point. Amen. I don't have a first mention. I don't just have a second mention. I have a lot of mentions. Amen. And we are going to integrate church history into this lesson. It is going to be multiple parts, and I am excited about it. Amen. Next slide, please. So, our learning objectives, Evangelist Simmons, going back to the days when I had a target in my classroom. We are going to have five particular lessons. We are going to talk about tonight's monotheism. The next lesson is going to be the names of God, the characteristics, and the attributes of God, because there's a lot in the name. There is a lot in the name. All right, and then we are going to be talking about modalism. Modalism. That's something that is not necessarily familiar with, but we are because it's an early concept of oneness belief in the early church, which actually predates the Nicene Council. Amen. Amen. And that was in the first and second century that this belief, this theological belief was there of the oneness of God before the Trinity was birthed. Amen. The next lesson we are going to be talking about, not the next slide, you are ready, sir. We are going to be talking about the origins of the Trinity. I would love to just dive in. We know that that is a word and a concept that is nowhere in the Bible. Amen. So we're going to be talking about the, the biblical history and the church history of its formation. And it has a lot to do with the empire of Rome. Amen. And then our last lesson, which will probably be three lessons, we're going to be talking about Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and how they interact, right? We know it's just one God, all right, amen, that has three different manifestations. I'm getting ahead of myself, amen, but we know there's that word God the Son is nowhere in the Bible, 
Amen. I'm getting way ahead of myself. So tonight we're going to be talking about monotheism. So we should have Bibles ready. Amen. Next slide, please. And I do apologize for the size of the font. We had a little bit of a, a font or a calibration issue and a compatibility with old version versus new vision, uh, version. So monotheism, that is us. That is us. What is monotheism? And this is the Encyclopedia Britannica, and they are on it. Thank you, Encyclopedia Britannica. It is the belief in the existence of one God or the oneness of God. As such, it is distinguished from polytheism, the belief in the existence of many gods. Well, poly means multiple or many, right? Theism has to deal with God. Polytheism would have been ancient Greece. Polytheism would have been ancient Rome. Polytheism would have been Polynesian nations, various Native American tribes, uh, various Nor uh, Norse tribes were polytheistic, where they worshipped multiple gods. I also want to add into this definition where it's pantheism. Pan means all, and that is a belief, literally, that God is in everything. From the trees to the blade of grass, that God is in everything. I even heard a, an interesting debate with somebody that was witnessing that God is in me and God is in this cigarette. I'm like, no, no, I don't remember a scripture that talks about that. But that's pantheism. And that is a belief that God is in all things. My, uh, and then polytheism, even Hinduism today in India is a polytheistic religion where it means that they worship multiple gods, one for pretty much every day of the week. Amen. So monotheism is opposite of atheism, which is, of course, the belief that there is no God, and it's opposite of agnosticism. Agnosticism is a belief that there may be a God, maybe not a God. If there is a God, I'm not necessarily going to say it's Jesus or Buddha or Allah, that there may be a God. And I think that is really the stage with a lot of our society, where there may be a God, but I can't say quite who it is. We know who it is. Amen. Jesus. So the word breaking down monotheism. Mono comes from the Greek word monos, which means one, but it doesn't just mean that. It means alone. It means by myself. It means self-sufficient. Mono. So when we talk about God, he's all by himself. He's God and God alone. And then we said that theism comes from that Greek word theos, which means God or attributes of God. Amen. Now, modern religions today that proclaim monotheism is Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. What's interesting to me, Pastor, is that these are all interconnected in a certain way. Judaism is our spiritual forefathers. That is our spiritual heritage. Everybody here today that is sitting in a church, we are considered Judeo-Christians. Because we worship the God of Israel. Amen. Now, Islam goes way back to Ishmael. Now, Islam didn't come into the picture until 600 AD, like 600 years after Christ. And they believe that Ishmael was the one that... Abraham was going to sacrifice to God instead of Isaac. But that is a whole other lesson. We know who we are. 
But unfortunately, a lot of Christianity claims to be monotheistic, but there's certain man-made concepts that were made 325 years or 325 AD that was multiple years after Jesus that built a concept of the Godhead. Amen. I'm thankful that I only have to worship one God. Amen. Because how can I equally give attention to three different gods? Because you could have bi-theism, right? Bi means two, that I worship two gods. You could have tri-theism, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Where you have three different gods. How can I give equal attention? Somebody's going to get jealous. Amen. Next slide, please. So here we go. Top line. Shema. Israel. Adonai. Eloheinu. Adonai, Ichad. Somebody translate, please. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thank you. The lesson is over. Y'all have a good night. And that's the remaining of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 in Hebrew. Next slide, please. The Shema, that is the entire identity of the Torah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. By the way, this is a commandment. That means that if I love God, it's not an option. A commandment means that it's an order. And in the army, we call it a standing order. Meaning that it is maintained even 3,000 years later. Amen. I've got to love the Lord thy God with all my soul and with all my might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. And they, thou shalt teach them diligently unto their children. That is, the, that is a whole other lesson. Diligently teaching them to my children. Because I've got to prepare the next generation for this truth. Amen. That there is one God and I'm to love him and him alone. Amen. And I have to talk to my children when they sit in thy house. Not just handing an iPad and saying, here you go, leave me alone. And while thou walkest by the way, that means when I'm out and about, driving down the road, I need to talk about the oneness of God. I need to talk about who I'm supposed to love with all my heart, soul, and might. Amen. And when thou liest down, that means when I go to bed, I have to say, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ichad. I'm supposed to say it when I go to bed and when you wake in the morning. That's what my children and I do. We recite the Shema so they know and it is built into their hearts. Amen. And you shall bind them for a sign upon thy hand. That's mentioned here in Deuteronomy, and it's mentioned uh, in another place in the Torah as well. And they shall bind them as a sign on their hand, and they shall be frontlets between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates as a memorial, as a memory. As I have stated, the Shema is everything in Judaism. Amen. And if they are to be my forefathers and my spiritual heritage. Nothing has changed. One God. I serve one. I don't serve three. 
My God is not fractions. I serve one God. I'm monotheistic. I'm not tritheistic. Amen. I'm not bi-theistic. I believe in one God. The same God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The God that was and is and is to come. Next slide, please. Amen. And so what were they talking about as a binding for the hand and between thy eyelids? This is what we call a tefillin. Now, in the New Testament, they call it a phylactery. Tefillin is Hebrew, phylactery is Greek. Now, please, most Jews, pretty much all Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox, say tefillin because it's Hebrew. You could ask Brother Scotty, all right, this is a commandment. It's a mitzvah in Hebrew that I am to put it on. Why do they put it on? Old Testament was very physical representation. Everything was a physical representation and a reminder and a memorial of the things of God. Here in the New Testament, it's all about my heart. So it's a beautiful symbolism that comes with it. So the box on the head is the tefillin or the phylactery. Inside the box on his head is a scroll. Guess what is written on that scroll? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Why do they put it here between their frontlets? It's because that the Shema is always on their mind. The oneness of God is always on their mind. Amen. Now, the other one is quite beautiful because they put it on their left arm. Amen. And depending on some renditions, there may be seven bindings, right? God's perfect number. Maybe eight. But there's a box on the left arm. Why the left arm? Because the left arm is going to be as closest to your heart. The oneness of God should be always buried within the tablets of my heart. Who God is and his identity is what we want to obtain. He should forever be on my mind and next to my heart, within my heart always. Amen. So this is where we get this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9. Next slide, please. Now, many of you have this in your doorway. This is called a mezuzah. Within the mezuzah is a scroll. Guess what is inside the scroll? Guess what is written on the scroll? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And it is in every doorpost within their house. And they go up to the mezuzah, they touch it, and they kiss their lips to remind them that God is one. I'm to love him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my might. I cannot deviate from that command. Amen. You go to Israel today, guess what's on your hotel room door? A mezuzah. When you go to the Tel Aviv airport, the Ben Gurion International Airport, amazing airport, there is a giant mezuzah as long as I am tall. And I said, where can I buy one of those? And they said, no, no, no. No. Okay. Shalom. <laughs> Amen. And so you see the law that is in a physical representation. We need to have it buried within our heart. Yes, it's a physical representation. It, we need to look everywhere we can to remind ourselves God is one. Amen. And maybe we need to write it in our house. Maybe we need to go back to Deuteronomy every day like they do. We need to say it to ourselves right after our praise break. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Lesson done. No, there's a lot more. Amen. So we know the tefillin, right? That is our spiritual heritage. Jesus would have had a tefillin. Because guess what? Jesus was Jewish. 
Jesus followed the law. He would have had a tefillin. Amen. They would have had a mezuzah right there in Nazareth or Capernaum. Amen. Because it was a reminder of the oneness of God. Amen. Now, I love mentions that are, I love when we talk about a concept in the Bible and it's mentioned to back up what I'm trying to say. Next, next slide, please. Jesus emphasized the Shema. Jesus emphasized the Shema. In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, the scroll. And one of the scribes came, of having heard of them reasoning together, and perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandments of all? And Jesus answered. Well, I, I, I would love to have just imagined. Well, that's easy. Amen. First of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Jesus is declaring the Shema once again. Now let me ask you this question. Jesus came not to destroy the law, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And the law was a schoolmaster for us in the dispensation of grace. Nothing has changed. One God. We serve one God. We serve one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And by the way, that was God who was manifested in the flesh that declared that. Amen. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment, elder. Amen. The first mitzvah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ooh. Ooh, he, man, he emphasized loving your neighbor as you would love yourself, the golden rule, as much as the Shema. Whoo! Anyway, that's a whole other lesson. Amen. And there is no other commandment greater than these. The Shema and the golden rule. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for annotating that for all of us. And the scribe said unto him, well done, master, thou hast said truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all my heart, and with all my understanding, and with all my soul, and with all my strength. And to love his neighbor as himself is more, more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is a scribe that is stating this. Who is responsible for writing Torah scrolls day in and day out and copying it and was required not to make a mistake. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. And no man after durst asked him any questions. So if Jesus had a microphone, he just dropped it. I'm just seeing if you're listening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Mark 12 and 28. Next verse, please. Now, we are going to be going through several scriptures for the remainder of this lesson that talk about God being one. Not multiples. One. One. Exodus 20 and 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
He doesn't say before us. He doesn't say my co-equal. He doesn't say another person. He says me. That's very singular. Amen. Exodus 20 and 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Talking about other gods. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. I. Amen. Deuteronomy 32 and 39. See now that I, even I, am he. And there is no God with me. Neff said, have a good evening. No God with me. There's no one else. Him and him alone. Amen. If there was somebody else, it would have been mentioned. Amen. Neither is any that can deliver out of my hand. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 22. This is also mentioned in Chronicles. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee. Neither is there any God beside thee. According, parents, listen, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Those are parents understanding the generational responsibility of teaching. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Teaching them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Can you imagine if the parents stopped following that commandment from Moses here to David? They wouldn't have heard it with their ears. We are responsible for perpetuating it through the generations as parents. Amen. Next verse, please. Psalms 86 and 10. For thou art great and doest wonderful things. Thou art God alone. Nobody's next to him. Nobody shares it. He doesn't share his glory. He doesn't share his holiness. He's a jealous God. He is all by himself. And that's all I need. Amen. Isaiah. Now, we are going to be going through Isaiah quite a bit here. We know that Isaiah in uh, 53, we, we start getting into messianic type of references. That is for another lesson in this series. But Isaiah, for the next several verses, emphasizes on the oneness of God. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. Not we, not my co-equal, not another person that shares it. Amen. Not a co-signer. I have chosen. And you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. No matter what man says, uh, there was no one before me and there's going to be no one after me. Amen. I. I. Very singular. Even I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. Amen. Isaiah 44 and 6. I'm, I'm loving this. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like Alpha and Omega. Amen. And beside me... There is no God. Amen. Isaiah 44 and 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. 
Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. I'm looking for a pantheon of gods. Nope, can't find it. I'm looking for a secondary throne. Nope, can't find it. Because I'm the one that sits on the throne. Is there, wait, is there any other gods? Nope. I put a help wanted sign out there for gods or demigods. Nope. There is no God besides him. Amen. I don't know any. And that's God saying it. Not what man belt. There's no other, no other deities but me. Amen. Thus saith the Lord, thy redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things. I am the Lord that make all things, that stretch forth the heavens alone. He didn't have a contractor. He didn't have anybody helping him. Stretch forth the heavens alone that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Sorry, I went very Texas there. Amen. Isaiah 44 and 24. He spread the earth by himself. Isaiah 45 and 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Isaiah 45, 21 and 22. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, yeah, they're near me. They're in the sanctuary. Let them take counsel together who have declared this from ancient time. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have I, have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God. A Savior. And there is none beside me. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Amen. Isaiah 46 and 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. And he says it again, I am God, and there is none like me. Amen. Isaiah 48 and 11, for my own sake, mine, I not, not a co-equal. I don't, I don't share it. That's my glory, is what God is saying. For my own sake, even for my own sake, will, uh, do, I will do it. For how should my name be polluted, question mark. Oh, his name has been polluted over time, hasn't it? His identity has been polluted over time, hasn't it? But I will not give my glory unto another. Amen. Isaiah 37 and 16, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel that dwelleth between the cherubims. One of my favorite statements, they're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. His Shekinah, his glory that dwelt between the cherubims of the Ark of the Covenant. It's also mentioned in Psalms 99. Blessed is he that dwelt between the cherubims. Thou art the, the God. Even thou alone. Of all the kingdoms of the earth, thou hast made the heaven and the earth alone. Amen. Malachi 2 and 10. Have we not all one father? Have not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? 
Several mentions in Psalms and some mentions in Isaiah, they refer to God as the Holy One. Not the Holy Two. Not the Holy Three. Not the Holy Twelve. The Holy One of Israel. Amen. The Holy One of Israel. Now we are going to go into the New Testament. Romans chapter 3, verse 30. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision of faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Seeing it is one God. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. That there is none other God but one. 1 Corinthians, and I believe Paul said that all scripture is inspired by God, correct? I think it was mentioned. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. But to us there is but one God. The Father of whom all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Ephesians 4 and 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God, and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. James chapter 2, verse 19. Oh, by the way, that means that I do not have to confess in a box to a priest. There is one mediator between God and men. By the way, Brother Scotty, what did I say around the, that church in San Antonio really loud? But there is one mediator between man and God. Yeah, I was going to get in trouble. It was a Catholic church. Amen. James chapter 2, verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. When you believe there is one God, thou doest well. Because the devils know. When Jesus showed up and it was legion, have you, have you come to torment us now? Is it our time? Because they knew who was manifested in the flesh. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. As it says in Tim, that God was manifested in the flesh. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, last verse. And immediately I was in the spirit, this is John the Revelator. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and there was 12 sitting on it. Just see if you're listening. There was three sitting on it. Three different thrones, right? And one sat on the throne. Amen. It reminds me, as the prophet said, I beheld until the thrones were cast down, and there sat the Ancient of Days. Amen. And when we talk about the identity of Jesus, we'll be talking about that in the other lesson. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. Hey, I'm just following the commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. And I think Jesus said that these are, that's the first commandment. The Shema and the golden rule. Amen. May the Lord bless you tonight, Pastor. Put your hands together. Let's love the one God. Thank you, Brother Brown. I enjoyed that. Amen. I would like to just say just a few things. It won't keep you long. One, the mezuzah, I even have one in my wife's car and my car. You don't have to have that. 
to be of a reminder that there's one God. But it's sure nice if somebody was working on it and they ask you, what is that? That would give you an opportunity to tell them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's like the plumber that worked on one of our houses a long time ago. And, man, he was cornered in a room. And he wanted to get paid. So we were talking, and all of a sudden he asked me. He said, let me ask you a question. I said, go ahead. He said, how do you find the way to devote the, as Brother Brown said, the same amount of time to all three? I said, I don't. There's only one. Do you know he did not talk to me the rest of the day? We've got to understand that we were created in God's image. And there's only one of me. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad there's only one of me. But yet I can hold several offices. Father, husband, pastor, son, a Social Security recipient. You understand what I'm saying? But there's still just one. And as you're reading the New Testament, if you want to do some deeper study, you'll find in one of the scriptures that John, excuse me, Brother Brown was reading, it talks about how God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll read and study the Greek, you'll find that they did not have and there. That was added by man. So when you see that with the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ being put together in a verse of the New Testament, and it has the and, the and wasn't there. The Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the scripture that he brought up, one God, but a media, one meter between God and man. I want you to really, really look at that. It says the man, the humanity, the begotten. The begotten. What does begotten means? To have a beginning. We are begotten. We had a beginning. God was never begotten. He never had a beginning. But the humanity of Christ was the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that sonship, if you'll read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it is. The reason he's mediating in that office right now is because we need a Savior. That we can't come to God unless we go through Calvary. And that's why he's there. But it will come to an end that he will deliver everything back to God, that God will be all in all. And so the Son of God is not eternal in his office. Now, maybe, maybe I brought in too much deep here for you. I don't know. But it is not eternal. The sonship is not eternal. It will end. And the reason the, God is invisible. Now, you done fired me up here, so we're just going to hear a couple more about this. He's invisible. No man has seen God at any time. But he was seen in the bosom, in the face of Jesus Christ. 
God made him a body. Why? But when we get to heaven, we'll be able to see him. If it wasn't for the image that he made to dwell in, we would not see God. When you start thinking about that, what a God we serve. He wanted us to see him. Not like Moses. He wanted us to see him. So he said, listen, I'm going to accomplish so much. One, I'm going to come with my own hand and bring salvation unto me. There was no other. I looked, so I'm coming. And so he first and foremost came so that we could have an opportunity to be saved. But then he said, you know what? There's some more fruit of this. When they all get together in the place I prepared, they'll get to see me, for they'll be like me, for they shall see me as I really am. Put your hands together. Magnify the King of glory. Wow. Can I go a little further? Can I go a little further? Before, before Jesus, God could not physically sit on his throne. There is a term, and I'll get it for you later. It's anti-promorism. That when you take a deity, it is explained in human attributes so that we can understand God. God does not have hands until, until Jesus. He didn't have the ability to sit. Now, I'm working up a sweat here. You've got to understand, yes, his glory, his Shekinah feels it all. But he wasn't actually sitting. But there is one that sits upon the throne. Now he's got a body. It will be a glorified body. And he'll be able to sit on the throne. Can I go a little further? I enjoyed the lesson. Man, I, you got me fired up. We could not look upon his face, the one that saved us by his grace, if it wasn't for the body, for the express image of the invisible God. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I could not see his face. But now when I get to heaven by the grace of God, I'll be able to see the face of God. Not only will I get to see the face of God, I'll get to see where he's engraved me on the palms of his hands. He said, even though a mother may forget me, he said, I'll never forget you. For I've... He didn't say my son did it. He said, I engraved you on the palm of my hands. When it went to Calvary, it was the man, it was the flesh that died. And so Jesus said, destroy this temple. Yeah, what? You're taking it away from me because he didn't say my father. He said, I will raise it up. God was seeing what would be. That no man could stop. The devil couldn't stop. Nothing could stop. Grave couldn't stop. Death couldn't stop. My sin couldn't stop. He said, there's coming a day 
when I'm going to have hands. And on these hands, there's going to be scars. And those scars, every single saint that has accepted me, young and old, whatever dispensation, I'm going to engrave them upon the palms of my hand. Why? So I will never, never, ever forget you. Put your hands together. Magnify the King of glory. Woo! Let's take a moment in case there's something else that drops in my heart. Brother Brown, I'm looking forward to these lessons. We'll get about, you know, several lessons out of this. Amen. You fired me up tonight. One God. One God. And if somebody pins you down, you see, oneness to us we know. But oneness to them they don't understand that term. You're going to have to explain it to them. Because when we say we're oneness, they think we don't believe in the Son. That's not true at all. We believe in the Son. He's just a man. And God was in the man reconciling the world. No. Is that what he said? <laughs> he said, he said, I'm going to be in the man. I'm going to use the man who one day will be my image to reconcile mankind to me. <laughs> man, we could go all night tonight. I know it's Wednesday night, but every Wednesday night you better come ready. Don't come with your watch set because... Really, you ought not be looking at a watch. That's why there's no watches in here, honey, because we're going to be here till God says we're done. Because I don't know about you, but that is the bedrock. The oneness of God is who we are. The belief in one God is who we are. That sets us apart from any other Christian view. We are strict. We are rigid, unswayed. Monotheistic. Amen. I'm passionate about it too. Whew. I worked up a sweat. Amen. The Lord bless you. I'm looking forward to all these lessons. Amen. 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 We're seeing a lot come out of Brother Brown. I'm glad about it. You're just missing the fear of the Lord. 